Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. KIPP, for short, brings you an exclusive look at the nature of humanity as we interface with culture and society in and out of our relationship with God. It explores the unique and contrasting position of having a biblical worldview versus a secular or societal worldview. I will explore these topics using the powerful and dynamic tools of the didactic narrative, teaching a relevant truth through storytelling, biblical exposition, teaching Bible principles, and of course, real talk. My background scans a diversity of over 35 years of work in education, government, law, ministry, business development, and consulting, respectively. Each guest speaker will bring a variety of wisdom and insight to life topics and situations that we encounter on a daily basis. So all I need you to do now as listeners is to sit back and enjoy the podcast, spread the word about KIPP, the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I will be your host, Derek L. Calhoun. That's hashtag KIP, hashtag KIP. Help me to make KIP your favorite Friday podcast. Now, let's get started. Hey, Kingdom Influencing Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. Hashtag KIP. Listen, we've been doing a lot of work uh, on the Kingdom of Priests, but I want to turn your attention to the final podcast in the series, or, or rather part one and part two. This will be part one, and we'll get part two next week. But uh, I want to turn your attention to the final podcast in this series called Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I know many of you are familiar with Earth, Wind, and Fire. If you were raised in the 70s or 80s, this is one of the hottest groups in the world not just in America, uh, sold more albums and uh, T-shirts and memorabilia than probably any other group uh, of his era. Simply put, Earth, Wind & Fire was a musical phenomenon. That's the only way to describe them, a musical phenomenon. Matter of fact, they're still listened to today and their songs are as popular today as they were in the 70s and 80s. But listen, I didn't get you on this podcast to talk about Earth, Wind, and Fire from that perspective because this is the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. So I want to influence Kingdom. I want to help you do that. Again, I want to send a shout out to all of you near and far around the world who represent the Kingdom Influencing Nation. Uh, I also want to send a special shout out to my son and daughter, Mr. and Mrs. Corey Briscoe, who recently got married. In Virginia, in a small wedding, a small private wedding, uh, it was an exciting time uh, in my life, in the life of my wife and family, and uh, we are all one now. The Calhouns and the Briscoes have merged. All right, listen, uh, over the past few weeks, I've been driving back and forth to the DMV, uh, that's that D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area, spending a lot of time on the road. Uh, in worship, in meditation. When I drive, I love to play worship music and just kind of listen and, and 
try to hear the heart of God and I just meditate on, on God and, and try to hear what he's saying now. Um, that's how this series got started. Get your head on straight. And so this is the final word, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire in that series, Get Your Head On Straight. And um, the revelation that I've been getting from God uh, or his revealed thoughts and ideas to me, um, I've tried to display over the last few weeks. And as I close out the next two weeks, you'll hear his heart on the matter. But I, I want you to know that the church itself is under so much scrutiny, so much abuse, and it seems like we're in a place where we're always being uh, chastised or, or marginalized or, or, or disenfranchised or, or, or something that is negative. There's hardly anything positive that we hear about the church in this era. And we live in an era and a time where what's right is wrong and what's wrong is right. But I, I want to simplify the gospel. I want to simplify church. I, I want to take all of the complications out of it. And I think that God has helped me to do that, to give you a very simple understanding of the church, the message of God, the mission of the church, um, through the simple title, Earth, Wind, and Fire. So I want to I wanna start off. And just telling you that I feel like I owe God my life. I don't know how many others of you out there who are listening feel like that, that God has done something so tremendously significant for you. Um, he's changed or transformed or transmogrified your life in such a way that you know that you wouldn't be in the position, in the place, uh, in the in your right mind, even during the season in your life, what was not for God. So it was like his life for mine. In other words, he gave his life for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But on the same hand, as he's given his life to us, we ought to give our lives to God because uh, God has done so many, many things for us. So I, I thought about that in light of this scripture, Psalms 116, 1 through 5. I love the Lord because he heard my plea for mercy. And I know there are a lot of you out there that know. I mean, if you're really serious about your life, you understand that we all need mercy because we all sin and fall short of the glory every day. But listen to this. Verse 2 says, and listen to me. As long as I live, I will call upon him when I need help. The ropes of death tighten around me. The shares, snares of Sheol or hell confronted me. I was confronted with trouble and sorrow, and, and our lives are full of trouble and sorrow every day. So here's my uh, panacea. Here's my antidote. Here's my help. I call on the name of the Lord. And the scripture says, please, Lord, rescue my life. The Lord is merciful, fair, and our God is compassionate. Where would you be? Where would I be if we couldn't call on the name of the Lord, if we couldn't ask the Lord to rescue us? Where would we be if God was not merciful and fair and compassionate? Uh, that's a, a polemical question, a difficult question to answer, uh, possibly even a conundrum for you. But I tell you what, if God was not in our lives, uh, many of us, many of us would be in a very precarious situation, a messed up situation to say the least. 
Um, so I think about this, uh, and I'm going to read it from the Net Bible as I've been reading. This is uh, Psalms 116. I've been reading from the Net Bible. I'm skipping a little bit. I read verses 1 through 5. Now I'm going to read 12 through 14. But the scripture that really got me is this. What shall we render for his many benefits? That's the King James Version. What shall we render to God, unto God for his many benefits? So here's uh, the New English translation, the Net Bible. How can I repay the Lord for all of his acts of kindness to me? I will celebrate my deliverance. I call on the name of the Lord. I, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord before all his people. In other words, there are certain things that God requires of us, certain things we need to be doing. We know that we need to study to show ourselves approved. We need to, to pray. Uh, we know we need to give. We know we need to love our neighbor. We, we know we need to love God with our whole heart, mind, and soul. Uh, we know we need to serve our community. And we need to serve on our jobs. Many of us who are in jobs and positions of leadership need to serve as pastors to the people that are around us. That's right, pastors. Even though you're not ordained because you're a part of the priesthood of our God, you are required to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And so here's the crux of the issue. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I'm reading from the New King James Version. I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In other words, I will serve God in the presence of all his people. And only you know what things you've shared with God in your private moments that you shared, said you would do and have not done and this is an opportunity for us all to get it right for us all to reestablish our relationship with god and come into the place where god wants us to be so what are the benefits you know why do we love god well first john four nineteen says we love god because he first loved us and how do we know that god loves us well let's talk about some things the first thing is that everything created in the Genesis narrative was created for us. The stars, the moon, uh, the water, the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, which preserves uh, the, the, the bulk of our body, biological systems. I mean, I mean, what is it that God created? The days, the time, the seasons, the years, uh, the heavens. The, what is it that he created that he needs everything that God created he created it for us so when we read Genesis chapter 1 and we hear the story the creation story uh, that which we call creationism the story lends itself to one thing that God introduces himself as the creator of the universe who creates not for himself but for those whom he loves and in return he hopes that as he shows and demonstrates his love towards us, that we will in return demonstrate our love towards him. Very, very simple. Nothing complicated about that. Second thing, he created man in his own image, male and female, and gave us dominion. That's right. So how could we dislike a God who created us in his own image? 
He made us male and female. He gave us distinctions, but he did not uh, separate us in such a way where one is better than the other, but that we all work together, male and female, to have dominion in the earth. So we have dominion in the earth. We have authority in the earth. And then here's the unique thing. If you read the creation narrative, most of the things that were done in the Bible were done as a matter of of God speaking things into existence. He spoke this and let there be light, let there be this, told the mountains what to do. It was all about his word, how he spoke his word, and things began to organize themselves. But there's something different about humanity. Not only did he create, it in, create us in his own image, male and female, he created us the Imago Dei, the image of God. But he also took the time to create us in such a way that he actually put his hands on us. He did not speak us into existence. Let me read this. Genesis 2 and 7, King James Version says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust. The dust translates in the Hebrew, uh, the clay, the earth, the mud. The, the Lord God formed man of the dust, the clay, the earth, and the mud of the ground. The word formed in verse 7 in Hebrew takes on a denotation or the dictionary definition of molding into form, uh, uh, pressing with your hands, squeezing into shape. So God put us together. He, he, he hand put us together. We are bespoken, if you will. Are, 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 you, are you getting this? We are custom made by God himself. That's humanity. And then the Bible goes on in the second part. And he says, and he breathed, he puffed into his nostrils the breath uh, the Hebrew for the breath would be nashama, wind, vital breath, divine inspiration of life. And man became, man existed, man became a living soul, a breathing creature. So you must understand this, earth, that we were created from the dust of the earth. So you hear uh, uh, at funerals, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's where man came from, from the dust of the earth. And if you get a grave and let the body sit for many, many years, you will go in there and find, yes, dust. All right. So that's something that we need to understand. We were created from the earth. What a magnificent, what a powerful, what a blessed disposition to be who we are, to have the intellect, the heart, the biological systems, the DNA, the, the, the anatomical structure that exists in man, and yet we were all created from the dust of the earth. And then God breathed the wind, the, the wind, watch this, his breath in our nostrils. So, he gave us wind. He gave us life. So when he created us, he blew in us bios, biological life. Okay? He gave us biological life. What shall we render for as many benefits? 
I mean, this is a lot going on here. Everything that we have belongs to God. Everything that we are belongs to God. We were shaped in his image. So there's a lot going on here that's very simple, that's not complex, where we can see the power and the move of God with earth and wind to produce man. Why? Genesis 2.15 says this, And the Lord God took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress. The Garden of Eden was the home of Adam. It was the region of Adam. And it was supposed to be, the word to dress means to guard and protect. It was supposed to be guarded and protected. Hence, he put a male there and a female there. The female uh, and man would, would leave his mother and father and cling to his wife. The wife would then become a helpmate. The word helpmate means revealer of the enemy. She would know when the enemy is coming, but it would be Adam's job to make the final decrees and the final proclamations and the final defense and to make sure that the garden was taken care of. And there was only one major thing that had to be done. Of every tree of the knowledge, uh, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for on the day that thou eat of it thou shalt surely die. So he had to protect the garden and protect, watch this, the will of God in the garden. Okay? So he was called to dress it, to guard and protect, and he was also told to keep it, which is to work and to serve. So man is called to guard and protect that which belongs to God and to work and to serve in the areas that support God. So here's what we need to understand. Worship is not just lifting up our hands, but when we work and we work to the glory of God, it is a part of worship. We are worshiping God because we are doing what we were created to do. Are, are you hearing this? So then herein lies what we call stewardship, which is another concept of the Christian church, which is very simple. Here's my definition of stewardship, which I've altered several times during the course of my years, 30 something years of ministry. But here's my definition. Stewardship is the management of God's riches, resources, relationships, and relationships based on the proper application of God's word. So in other words, God gives us things and he gives us relationships and he gives us resources. But how do we use these resources? What is the proper application? Everything we need to know of course, it has been put in the word of God. That's why we study to show ourselves approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So then Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We were created to work for God according to his will. We were created to work for God according to his will. So then not my will, you, these are the words of Jesus, but thine will be done. So it's not about what we think and what we want. It's literally about what God thinks and what he wants. And then we live within the context of that. But listen to this. His ways are better, are higher. Uh, his ways are better than our ways. So we may think we know what we're doing and where we ought to go and how we ought to do it. 
But it's better to get impartation. It's better to get a word from the Lord than to go about your own way. So then the scripture says, trust in the Lord. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So right now is a good time to stop. A good time to pray. A good time to ask God uh, direction for your life. There are many things going on in the world today. We all need direction. We all need to have our steps ordered by the Lord. So I want to continue on this theme of when, not to complete, but just to get us started for next week. We talked about wind that God breathed, uh, the, the bios wind, the, the nashama wind into our lives as he was creating us. But then there's a second wind, the wind of God's presence sometimes referred to as the Ruach, the wind or the breath of God in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, and the Numa, Spirit of God, in the New Testament. So then I'm going to read you a little story from the New Testament that will help us to close out today. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, New King James Version. There was a man in the Pharisees of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus is working on behalf of God in the earth. As a matter of fact, he is God in the earth. He is 100% God, 100% man, which we refer to as the hypostatic union. It is the fact that Jesus was fully God and fully man, fully man so that he could feel all the infirmities, the pains, the sickness, the hurts, the disappointments that we as men experience, the disease, and fully God that it would have the power to overcome these things. All right. So Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this was a parable uh, to a certain extent. And Nicodemus was a priest, a Pharisee. So he's saying, you know, if you are a man of God, then these things should be simple for you to understand. So look at Nicodemus's response. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water, that's come through uh, the womb of a woman, and the spirit coming through the power of God, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So man must be born first, and then he must be born again, born again Bios naturally, and then born again spiritually, Zoe. Watch this. So, uh, uh, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, God is a spirit, all right? And we all should worship him in spirit and in truth. So, in order to uh, go to where God is, a spiritual place, we must be in a spiritual disposition, all right? So, watch this. Do not marvel that I said ye must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You cannot hear, you hear the sound of it, 
but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the spirit. So is the pneuma, the spirit of God, goes where it wishes. The uh, uh, And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. In other words, it's giving the analogy of what I call the second wind. It is the wind of God that we receive when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives as our Lord and Savior. Now watch this. You cannot receive uh, uh, Jesus himself. So what Jesus does, and he talks about this in John 14 and 15, is that he sends the Holy Spirit, the Paracletos, to live inside of us. And the Holy Spirit will come and seal us. He'll enter us upon our request and seal us into the day of redemption. And then we begin the process, watch this, of being born again. And we slowly begin to read God's word in the beginning stages, like a baby, it's called the milk of God's word, with the intent and the purpose of beginning, of growing to a place where we're able to eat the meat of God's word, the deeper things of God, all right? Simple, simple concept. We're asking Jesus Christ to come into your life, be the Lord of your life. That process then will send the Holy Spirit who will enhance your bios life, which is your biological life, and now give you spirit life. That spirit life will be sealed in you uh, to the day of redemption, but it will be the power of God. So we then therefore have the life of God and now the power of God inside of us and uh, the bible clearly says we have this treasure inside this earthen vessel that the glory the excellence of the glory may be of god and not of us in other words if there be anything good in us it is the power of god if we do good things it is the power of god it is god working through us and we are kingdom influencers we influence the earth by allowing God to work through us. And we know that he's working through us and in us by the reading of his word. And as we graduate and as we study and as we pray and as we go through trials and tribulations, which are test markers, if you will, that help to determine where we are in the faith. Listen, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast presentation. We've been talking about earth, wind, and fire. This is part one. I know you can't wait for part two. We'll finish up with wind and we'll talk about fire. Listen, I love you. Continue to share this podcast all over the world. God bless you and may heaven smile upon you.